Welcome to the Memorial Sermon Podcast. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your walk with God and drive you closer to Jesus. For more information about our church, visit mbcmetairie.org. Now, here's this week's message. Now, now this year we have been talking about making a kingdom investment. That has been our, our 2021 theme. And uh, man, this has been... This has been such a theme that, that I don't just think is going to resonate with me for one year, but this is going to be a theme that, that resonates with me for a lifetime of how I can invest in the kingdom of God now and, and as we look towards the future. You know, one day I, I, was, I was actually considering this a conversation that I had with someone a couple of years ago, and they said, you know what, within three generations... No one will know who you are. Very few people will know who you are. You know, you think of your kids, you know, and then you have parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, and some of you may know the name of that person, particularly in your family tree, but do you really know that person? Within several generations that go by, you know, no one knows who you are other than you and your relationship with God. And, and the only things that matter in this life are, are really, what have I done for the kingdom of God? What have I done to invest myself into the kingdom of God? And this is why this has just been such a, a great theme for me. We've had a, a verse that has guided our time together coming out of Matthew chapter 25, verse 21. It says, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Share in your master's joy. And so the master is going to come back one day. He's given you talents. He's given you resources. He's given you your life and your breath itself. And he's going to come back and he's going to say, what have you done? Now, notice that the theme verse wasn't the, the, the servant that didn't do anything with his talent. Okay. I want to use the one that used his talent and that we saw the master say, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't know about you. But that's how I want my life and my legacy um, to be. I want that to be what, it, what it's all about, about the kingdom of God. I don't want us to be able to say, you know what? I wish I had done more for the kingdom of God. I wish I had spoken up more or served more or given more or forgiven more or led more or taught more or sacrificed more. And, and here's the thing about investing, and we'll just kind of wrap it up. We'll put a, we'll put a bow on it uh, today. The thing about investing is it's all about timing. It's all about timing. And what you can do right here, right now, because there's going to be a day that comes that you cannot do. And you have these moments right here, right now. And, and so with that being said, as, as we get ready to, to go into the new year, I want to talk to us about having a new identity, having a new identity. If you got your Bible this morning, I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to be there here in just a second. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 1 through 14. Now, many of y'all know me. Um, I'm not speaking to folks that, that aren't friends, but some of y'all may not know, know exactly who I am. And so um, I have two daughters and a wife and uh, two dogs, and I live in a house full of girls. Even the dogs are girls. 
So I, am, I swim in the estrogen ocean, and so I am subjected to all types of princess movies and pink paraphernalia, and uh, I'm going to be honest with you, it can be very overwhelming at times, okay? But uh, one of the movies that has actually come across, it's come through our house over the past uh, several years, is actually a movie that came out, can, uh, this is just mind-boggling me, show our age, a movie that came out 20 years ago. 20 years ago this year, and it was the movie The Princess Diaries, okay? You're not a true man unless you've watched Princess Diaries, okay? That's what, that's what being a real man is all about, is being able to sit with your daughters and, and watching movies like this. But the, the story of The Princess Diaries is simply this. It's a 16-year-old girl whose name is Mia Thermopolis, and she found out that she is the heir of the throne of this, it's really made up, but this, you know, this tiny European country of Genovia. And one day, she's just a normal girl going to school, 16 years old, and the next day she finds out that she is royalty. And in a moment, her identity changes but even though her identity has changed, she finds out, I'm royalty. She's a normal teenage girl, but she finds out, I'm royalty. And in that moment that, that she finds out, she's got to grow into this new role. Even though her identity changed on the spot, she has to grow into that role. Kind of this rags to riches story. And so her uh, estranged grandmother, who's played by Julie Andrews, tries her best to teach her about all about this new identity that she has. And suddenly Mia's life is thrown into complete overload because she's got to learn how to wave. She can't wave like this. She's got to wave like this. She's got to learn how to wave. She's got to learn how to walk different. She's got to learn how to eat different when she's with a, a group of people and they're having, you know, a banquet together. Uh, she's got to be taught about clothes. She's got to get a makeover. She even gets a limo driver, you know? So all of this, her, it just completely changed. And so I'll show you a picture of, you know, what, what the movie depicts. She goes from this on the left, you know, the 16-year-old girl, to this being the princess of Genovia. And here's the deal. Here's the thing that I want to talk about this morning is how the process isn't easy. It takes time as she begins to own her new identity. And for many of us, when we think about our, our relationship with God, for us that we have been saved, he's changed, he's changed our lives, he's changed our hearts through salvation when we've given our life to him, when we put our faith and our trust in what Christ did on the cross, we're changed. We are changed. But there is that process of learning more about the identity that we have been changed into. And, and so today, as we get ready to talk, go into this new year, and with new year, you know, people are always doing different New Year's resolutions. You know, people are always talking about, you know, whether it be losing weight or going to the gym or, you know, maybe they're going to learn an, an instrument, all of those types of things. What I find is a lot of people, and even with their spiritual walk, I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to commit to go to church more. I'm going to try to live for, for Christ more. A lot of times what we do is we focus in on the behavior. I want to do this. 
And, and with that, you know, sometimes we, we, we put some things around it. We say, okay, well, if this is what I want to do, then here's the process of that, which I'm going to have to follow. So I'm going to have to get up at five o'clock. I'm going to have to go to the gym. I'm going to have to, you know, if I'm going to learn this instrument, I'm going to have to practice at least four days a week. So we try to put these processes into place and all of that kind of stuff. But the reality is what they have found more and more and more is that when you take on that as your identity, then the behavior will follow. Uh, I've been reading a book by James Clear uh, called Atomic Habits. And, and this is what he, he talks about. We'll put it up here on the screen. I also put this quote in your notes. He said, outcomes are about what you get. This is like, okay, here's what I want to do. I want to lose the weight. I want to read my Bible. I want to do this. I want to do that. So we're all focused in on the outcomes. Processes are about what you do. So the thing that you put around it. But identity is about what you believe. And so what the Bible does, this is actually not just a, this is not a secular concept. This is a very biblical concept of what Christ does. He says, look, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a new identity. And now your behavior is defined by your identity. I saw even this morning, I was looking over my social media, and just to kind of give you a, a, a world example, I saw someone, and in their profile, they have, you know, listed who they are, and one of the things that they have in their profile is gym rat, gym rat, and what that means is they love to go to the gym, they love to do those things, they're a gym rat, they've, they've done that as their identity, but now their behavior follows I mean, this is so biblical. This is a biblical practice. I mean, even think about it. The way that the Bible would do this is many times uh, there would be a name change. You know, a lot of times we talk about Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, God made Adam and Eve. Do you realize Eve never got her name until after the fall? Do you not know that? She was, she was known as the woman the whole time. And then after the fall, then what you have is now you've got her and she begins to give birth and civilization begins to, to spread even after the fall. And so Adam looks at his wife, looks at the woman, and he says, your name is Eve, which means mother of the living mother of the living. Do you see that's her identity? We see this with Abram. Abram, and then his name was changed to Abraham. Abram means exalted father, but he couldn't have kids. But then God says, you're going to have kids. And because you're going to have kids, I'm going to make a nation out of you. So I'm going to change your name. I'm going to change your identity to Abraham, which means father of many. Do you see how this works? How the identity, how the identity moves in to the behavior of what God's going to do. Jacob, his name was, Jacob literally means deceiver. His name is changed to Israel, which means wrestled, wrestles with God. Simon, his name is changed to Peter. All of these name changes have to do with a change in identity. And this happens in our lives when we come to Christ, when we're transformed. Our identity is changed, made into royalty. We're royalty, children of God. And so many times, look at me, so many times we focus in on behaviors of being a Christian. I don't do enough. Or maybe I keep messing up with that or that sin. I keep falling into that. 
But what the Bible teaches us, hear me this morning, what the Bible teaches is that behavior follows identity. You begin to act like a child of God when you own the identity as a child of God. That's why 2 Corinthians 5.17, we're going to put it up here on the screen so you can see I've been talking about this the past couple of weeks. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. Do you see? It's all about identity. He changes your identity, not the behavior, because the behavior follows the identity. So we're going into this new year. And if you're a Christian and you've truly been saved of your sins, I just want to ask you this question. If someone were to ask you, who are you? Who are you? You know, we might be able to tell them some things that we do, but, but what if we were to define that by who God says you are? Because I don't know about you, but if you say, who are you, Pastor Dan? You know, I might be tempted to list, you know, some of the mistakes and things that I've done and things that I haven't done. What if I went back and we said, you know what? Who are we by God's definition? Who does God say that we are? Who does God give us when he gives us our identity? What does he say about us? And then that that affects how we live and hopefully it'll affect you how you live even in this new year as we've been brought into a relationship with God. So if you got your Bible in Ephesians chapter one, I want you to read along with me. Ephesians chapter one, we're just gonna read 14 verses. It says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, to the faithful saints in Christ Jesus at Ephesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he's gonna go into identity, just full-blown identity mode. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in every, with every spiritual blessing in the, he in the heavens in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy, blameless, and love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to his good pleasure of, of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. Verse seven, in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our, tres uh, our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. Have this word again, in him. We have also received an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will. So that we who had already put our hope in Christ might bring praise to his glory. Verse 13, in him. You were also sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believe, the Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. Thick passage, thick passage. We're not gonna be able to highlight everything, but this morning, I think that there's just a few things, just a few things, we're gonna be very, very brief with this. So go ahead and grab your notes, but I just briefly wanna hit on your new identity in Christ. And the reason, again, that we're going through this is because going into this new year, I don't want you to ask, what do I do? That's not what I want you to ask. I want you to ask, who am I? 
Who am I? So the first thing that I want you to write down in your new identity in Christ is I am blessed. I am blessed. We see that in verse three. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now look at this. Who has blessed us with every that doesn't mean he's, he's just giving you a few things here. He's not just throwing you a bone, but he's giving you every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. Now, this is not just saying blessed. And I think, I think sometimes, I don't know about you, but when I hear the word blessed or blessing or something like that, I kind of think of the word good fortune, like good luck. How are you? Oh, I'm blessed. I've had a good day or whatever. And, and I think that many times we use this word blessed to describe things like good fortune, good health, you know, a good income maybe. And so let's ask this question. If I don't have those things, am I not blessed? Or at worst, am I cursed? And, and so what does this blessing mean? What does it mean that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing? Blessing means that the God of the universe has his hand on your life despite the challenges that you might face. So when you have every spiritual blessing, that means God has his hand on your life. You can be blessed and go through a hurricane. You can be blessed and get sick. You can be blessed and lose your job because the blessing isn't the sum of the circumstances around you. Being blessed is the reality of what God is doing inside you. That's what being blessed is. And so I, I think about this, you know, generators got really popular uh, at the end of August this year. Can't figure out why, but everyone wanted a generator. Everyone needed a generator, all that kind of stuff. What I realized going through that time is that there's two different types of generators. There's a generator that, you know, you might go buy at Home Depot or something like that, and you need to continually fill it up with gas. But then I had some of my friends that had a built-in generator that ran off natural gas. They didn't have to go to the gas station one time. Not one time. Now, I'm not going to say everything was perfect for them, but they had it internally. They didn't have the, the stress of having to go get gas and stand in those long lines. And here's the point that I want to make. When you are living your life without God in your own strength, you have to live with the anxiety of getting your own gas your own energy, your own momentum. You worry, you stress, and then you wonder why you're burned out. It's because you've been doing it all on your own. That's not what being blessed is. When you identify as being blessed in Christ, you realize there is a generator inside of you called the peace of God, which transcends all understanding that is from within and it never goes out. That's what it means to be blessed. So as you go into 2022, I want you to say to yourself, I am blessed from the inside out, not from the outside in. Number two, our new identity in Christ says this, I'm chosen. I'm chosen. Now, I don't want to get into the deep weeds of, you know, things like Calvinism and whatnot, but I do want you to see in verse four and five, look at this. For he chose us in him 
before the foundation of the world, to be holy and blameless in love before him. If you're ever feeling down about yourself, you're ever feeling depressed, I just want you to realize God chose you before the world was even created. That's a good word. Let the generations come and go. Let the world forget your name. You were chosen before the generations. You were chosen before the world was even created. Verse five, he predestined us to be, look at this, adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself according to the good pleasure of his will. I have some friends, um, Carrie and I met when we were in seminary. And they posted on their social media uh, over the Christmas break that they were going to be parents. And this is so exciting. They, they, they wanted to be parents. They've been, they, you know, that, that they, they've been looking forward to being parents. And so they finally posted and said, we're going to be parents. But here's the difference. They didn't do it the same way that a lot of people do. A lot of people, what they would wind up doing is, you know, they, would, they might take a, a picture of an ultrasound and put it up there. Or, you know, it's a lot of people take like, you know, the cute little shoes. Have you ever seen this? They put their shoes next to the new booties or whatever. You know, they got these cute little shoes, whatnot. But this is different. They had a a little sign that says, we're going to be parents in 2022 because we're adopting. Because we're adopting. And I thought about that. And I thought about when they say, you know, we're adopting. Here's the deal about adoption. Adoption takes place when a couple chooses to take in a child that's not biologically theirs. You know this. But here's what we've got to consider. They love that child and they want that child before he or she ever wants them. It's a beautiful picture, and it's a beautiful picture of the gospel. The reality is that child had to be chosen. And this new year, I want you to take a deep breath and say to yourself, I'm chosen by God. He wants me. He loved me even before I wanted or loved him. You are chosen. You are adopted to be royalty. That is your identity. So walk in it. You're chosen. The next thing that I want you to see as we go into this new year, your identity is I am redeemed. I am redeemed. So you're blessed, you're chosen, you're redeemed. Look at verse seven and eight with me. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. You know what? It's fascinating to me is uh, there's so much financial language in those two verses because redeemed is a word that refers to a transaction. It refers to a transaction. It is a financial term. I think a lot of times when we think of redeemed, we kind of think of something that has, you know, maybe fallen from grace and now, you know, it's picked itself up by its its bootstraps and it's kind of been redeemed. Redeemed is a financial term. Redeemed means something that has been paid for or something that has been purchased. And and you know, when I when I think of, of this, that our identity used to be, before we came to know Christ, spiritually bankrupt. 
spiritually bankrupt, spiritually in debt, no way out, no hope, drowning in sin. And then God says in verse eight, according, did you catch the language? Riches of his grace. Did you catch the language there? And so it's talking about finances, the riches of his grace. He pays your debt in full. How? Verse seven, through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. And now you carry a new identity and your new identity is debt free. You are debt free. Have you ever paid off something? car, house, and then just be like, oh, thank you, Jesus. You're debt free. But have you ever been in a place where you couldn't pay it off? Maybe someone had to come alongside you and you're debt free. When you're debt free, this gives you confidence. You have a new confidence. It gives you freedom. Like the shackles have been taken off. It's time to run. When you realize and you identify as being free and you identify as being redeemed, you don't have to spend, you know, when you realize how redeemed you are in Christ, you know, you, you don't want to spend all your time watching TV. You don't want to spend all your time doing meaningless things. You say, you know what? I've been redeemed by Christ. He's given me a new identity. He has paid for everything. Give me a Bible. I want to learn about God, the God who paid to set me free. That's what it means to be redeemed. The fourth thing as we go into this new year is that your new identity in Christ makes you spiritually aware. You can say this, I am spiritually aware. Now you're thinking to yourself, what on God's green earth are you talking about, Pastor Dan? What does it mean to be spiritually aware? I'm glad you asked. Because in verse nine and 10, it says this, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, that he purposed in Christ. He had a plan, as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. Now, this is something that we don't think about much. You know, we just celebrated Christmas, and I have celebrated the birth of Jesus at Christmas every year my entire life. My entire life. I know Luke 2 by heart. I know that Caesar wanted a census. I know that Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem and later to Egypt. I know about the shepherds, the wise men, the angels, etc. But before this actually happened, even the most knowledgeable of prophets in the Old Testament, even in the most knowledgeable of prophets in the Old Testament, to them, all of this was still a mystery. A mystery that he talks about that will be revealed as verse nine says. And even today, we need to own our identity as being spiritually aware. So all these Old Testament prophets, they had no idea what was going to happen, what was going to take place. And then we come to the New Testament and we know and we celebrate it every single year. But it doesn't stop there. 
For us to be spiritually aware when it's talking about this mystery, when it's talking about the, 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 the plan in verse 10, the plan for our life, but the overarching plan, the overarching narrative of the world, we need to own that as our identity. And here's what I mean by that. Here's a practical way that you can do that. We need to walk through the workplace realizing that every single person that we bump into or talk to or whatever is either going to go to heaven or go to hell. So many times we just put that out of our mind. That's what being spiritually aware is. Every single person is going somewhere. And just being aware of that. We need to realize that there's a spiritual battle. Later on in Ephesians chapter 6, it's going to talk all about that. There are angels and demons going on. They are, you know, whatever interactions, fighting, whatever, that is going around, uh, uh, that is going on around us that we cannot see. Do you realize there are angels and demons around you? When, when things are going on, when you're having different emotions, when you're having different things that are taking place in your heart, in your workplace, you know, for, for crying out loud, your car didn't start. You think that's just because the battery didn't happen maybe there's spiritual warfare that is actually taking place we've got to be spiritually aware that those things are happening we need to realize that like a broadway play that even though the curtain is drawn that there is still action taking place behind it and just because you can't see the spiritual realm does not mean that there is not stuff taking place we have to be careful that God's plan. I can't see it. God, I can't see your plan. It's so foggy. I'm going into this new year. Man, if last year wasn't foggy enough, God, what's going on? I can't see it. It's still going on. And listen to me, the same way it says in verse 10, he's got a plan. He's got a plan. He's got a plan for you. And so you walk in the identity of being spiritually aware. I got two more. You hanging with me? Two more. Number five, write this down, your identity in Christ. Number five, I have a heavenly inheritance. This is so good. I have a heavenly inheritance. Look with me in verse 11. In him, we have also received an inheritance because we were predestined. According, here's, here it is, the word again, to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will. So here's what I want to see. You have a heavenly inheritance. There is something after this life. I was reading a story by, by John MacArthur. He was talking about how he was, he was at a camp uh, years and years ago. And he talked about there was a little boy at that camp who he noticed had this withered arm withered arm and and he would kind of hide it he wouldn't he wouldn't show it and you know he kind of stood in the back of of the group because he didn't really want anybody to see him. he was very self-conscious of this withered arm that he had and 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 he noticed that that his face just always kind of had a scowl well on the second day of being at this camp john walks over to him and he just introduces himself and they began to talk. And he said, you know, I, I, I see your arm and, you know, don't, that's not something to be discouraged about. And the little boy, you know, kind of like a Coke bottle gets shook, shooken up, you know, and just in those moments that, you know, the top comes off and everything just spews out. This little boy goes, how can God love me? How, how can God have a plan for me when God has done this to me? No arm. I can't be with my other friends. I can't do the other things that, that, that my other friends do. I'm broken. I'm tarnished. How does God care about me? And John said, 
a little prayer, like many of us would. And he began to say, I want you to know this body that you have is your house in this moment, but it's not your eternal home. It's not your eternal home. God has a brand new body for you and a brand new place for you. And he used that as an opportunity to begin to talk about heaven and to share the gospel. And through that conversation where everything kind of got hostile in the moment, God showed up through the power of the Holy Spirit and, and just curved the conversation in such a way that John was able to lead this young boy to Christ. And he said, when I led him to Christ and he accepted Christ as his Savior, sins forgiven, recognized that he had a home now in heaven, he looked at his body, even his physical body in a totally different light. He began to have confidence. He said, he even, he even took me aside and he said, let's go play some ping pong. You know, something simple. How, how do kids, you know, express their emotions? Sometimes they don't know how. He said, let's go, let's go play some ping pong. Let's go, let's go do something. And he said that his whole countenance changed because of the transformation that God had done in his life by realizing that he has a heavenly inheritance in Christ. And, and I think about that. And this is what he says about that. He said, God had some things for this young boy that far surpassed what his human, uh, from, from his human perspective had seemed to be so terribly important and valuable. And when he knew that he was part of God's eternal plan and had received God's eternal promises, his perspective dra dramatic, uh, dramatically changed. And his perspective changed because he realized that he had an inheritance, a different body, a whole different body waiting for him. And that gave him confidence. I want you to hear this. You are royalty in Christ. Why go into 2022 not knowing just what's going to happen? We're all, we, we don't know what's going to happen in 2022. Have you heard people say this? Have you heard, have you heard someone say, let's just kind of ease into this new year? Let's not get our, let's not get too high. Let's not, you know, let's not go into it too heavy. Have you heard some people say that? I have. Let's not just go into it. We don't know what COVID's gonna do. Ladies and gentlemen, do you know why Christians aren't afraid of COVID? Because Christians aren't afraid of death. That's why. We're not afraid of death. And if there is fear there, I mean, I get it. We don't want to be a, we don't want to be a moron, you know. We want to be smart, you know. We don't just want to, you know, be crazy and not, you know, take precautions. But if you are deathly afraid, there's an identity problem there because you have a heavenly inheritance. In fact, I'll even prove it to you. Look, we'll put up this on the screen. Paul said in Philippians 1, verse 21, he said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. The word gain, that's another financial term. It literally means to turn a profit. When you die, you profit. That's an identity that I want, a heavenly inheritance. Have that as we go into this new year. And then the final thing that I want you to write down this morning is that your new identity in Christ, you say this, I have the Holy Spirit. I have the Holy Spirit. Look with me in verse 13 and 14. It says this, in him you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. When you heard the word of truth, 
the gospel of your salvation. It's talking about being saved and when you believe. Now, I'm, I'm just going to put myself out there. There's some folks that say, well, you receive the Holy Spirit after you believe. You know, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? What comes first, salvation or the Holy Spirit? It comes together at the same time. I mean, look at the words. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed. Do you get it? So we gain the Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity, when we believe. Verse 14, the Holy Spirit, look at this, is the, man, there's so much financial language, is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. And what does this mean? What does it mean that I have the Holy Spirit? I mean, there's so many things that we could talk about, but can I just kind of give you a, a broad uh, idea? It, it's so fascinating to me in our culture, the importance that we would put on an engagement ring. On an engagement ring. We put all this importance. Where, where in the world did that come up? Where, you know, who came up with the idea of, of an engagement ring? Well, before I get to that, when I was in college, I actually knew a guy who did not care if a girl had a boyfriend. If she didn't have a ring on that finger, she was fair game. I was like, bro, you're going to get beat up. You know, she was fair game. But he would say, there ain't no ring on that finger. She's not promised. Now, if she had a ring, it'd be different. But, but I got to thinking about this. I said, you know, where in the world did this come from? Listen to this. Anthropologists believe that the tradition originated of, you know, the, the wedding ring or the, the engagement ring originated from a Roman custom in which wives wore rings attached to small keys. Don't hate me. Just history. All right. Indicating their husband's ownership in 1477, Archduke Maximilian of Austria commissioned the very first diamond engagement ring on record for his betrothed, the Mary of Burgundy. This sparked a trend for diamond rings among European aristocracy and nobility. Now, why did I bring all that up? Because here it talks about in verse 14, it says that the Holy Spirit is a down payment like an engagement ring for what is to come. And I could talk about the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I, I could talk about how he's our comforter, he's our counselor, but just simply for the sake of time, let me explain that the Holy Spirit reveals that we belong to God, that we are in the most committed relationship imaginable with God. So I knew this guy in college. He wouldn't talk to a girl with a ring because that ring signified that she was in a committed relationship. Ladies and gentlemen, if we don't have the Holy Spirit, then you are not in a relationship with Jesus. You are not in a relationship with God. But if you are in Christ, the Holy Spirit becomes a part of your identity. And so in our culture today, think about this. Men get down on one knee to show their humility. Well, God didn't get down on one knee to reveal his humility. Instead, he hung on a cross to show you his love for you and for me. He wants to give you a new identity by coming into a relationship. And for some, you already have that identity, but you aren't living it out to the fullest. 
because you're, and it's not because you're not disciplined enough. It has everything for the fact that you've forgotten who you are. And in this new year, let's not focus on what behaviors we want to do. I'm not saying don't have goals. It's good to have goals. But not to be so focused on the behaviors that we want to do. Instead, we want to focus on who we are, who you believe that you are, a child of the King.